1: Not minutes, like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. This is Make
0: it IP. With my Matfumo, my full mouth. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Once again, folks, the founding director of the IKG Cultural Resources, current director of the Asa Restoration Project. He's the first African-American to fund and coordinate an archaeological dig in Egypt and has led more than 30 archaeological missions to Egypt since 2009, our brother. And as I've said, really the, uh, the heir apparent to all of the work and the activism of Dr. Ben, Dr. John Henry Clark, Sharshi McIntyre, uh, Renoko Rashidi, Asa Hilliard, all of them. And Dr. Leonard Jeffries is still with us and walking amongst us, but Tony, I'm sure he counts Tony as one of his protégés Tony Browder is here with us for African American History Month once again today. Hey brother, welcome back. Hotep. Thank you. Hotep. What hotep? What what what, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> Peace. Peace. Absolutely. <laughs> Peace. And and folks should accept it as that. I'm I regret that the, as I said before in, in other, in, in our other broadcasts, that it has been uh taken and, and twisted in in another unfortunate way. And those who who twisted and those who Misapply it, and and those who've kind of um, given it a bad connotation, this connotation and denotation um, don't really know the denotation as a matter of fact, don't really know um, uh, what it means, but that's why we're here to have our understanding and our knowledge in a way that is true to us. Tony's been telling us the story as I'm sure is the case for many of you. When he heard some of these things for the first time, is nothing... Uh, like hearing them for the first time. Um, You established, we talked last time about the Egypt on the Potomac field trip. Um, You started a column, um, the Browder uh, uh, file in 86 and 87, um, the Free Your Mind lecture series uh, and the study tours, but it was really that Free Your Mind lecture series where you introduced um, many of us to some of those scholars I just named that we otherwise had never seen before, would not have seen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me give you some context on that. Uh, In September of 1984, I went to Atlanta to attend the Nile Valley Conference, which was organized by Asa Hilliard, Charles Finch, and Ivan Van Sertema. It was a three-day event Actually, four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I sat in that audience with hundreds of people and paid rapt attention to this profound body of knowledge that was shared with us by scholars African and European. I met Charles Finch for the first time. I reconnected with Asa Hilliard. I reconnected with Ivan Van Sertema. I met Naeem Akbar for the first time. And as I sat in the audience listening to these brilliant souls, these minds that I had never heard before speak, I said to myself two things. One, this is what I want to do with my life. And two, I've got to find a way to bring them to Washington, D.C. So that opportunity came in uh, on Memorial Day weekend of 1987 when we sponsored our first Free Your Mind lecture. And that guest was Dr. Asa Hilliard. And so the name of that series was taken from a, um, a uh, was taken from a thirteen part television program that Asa Hillier did with Listerveld Middleton on a program called For the People. So Asa laid out in thirteen half hour episodes the means by which you could free your mind by returning to the Source, and the Source is now Valley, and Asa talked about chronology and the importance of putting history in chronological order so that we can shatter the myths that, that were created in order to separate us from knowledge itself. So we, I brought Asa in, I brought Naeem Akbar in, I brought Dr. Nichols and Hunter Adams and Van Sertima and Renoko Rashidi and Wayne Chandler and Sharshi McIntyre, you know, Lynn Jeffries. You know, I, for over the course of, of about five years, We brought in the best and the brightest. We even had Ted Falubinga in to to share his knowledge with the brilliant Charles French. That program was held at UDC, as a matter of fact. And one of the best programs we did, brother, was also held at UDC. It was the Elder Symposium held in 1989 with Dr. Yosef Benyakinen, John Henry Clark, and John Jackson. And what was so pleasing to me of that moment was that it was the first time that these three giants had been together in over 20 years. John Jackson was living in Harlem. He was from South Carolina, Aiken, South Carolina. He moved to Harlem <clears throat> in the 20s and 30s and helped to found the Harlem History Club. By the time uh, John Henry Clark comes to Harlem, Harlem, he joins the Harlem History Club and he studies under uh, John G. Jackson. And by the time Dr. Ben comes there, Dr. Ben is studying under these two giants. So to be able to bring the three of these brothers together, man, was one of the highlights of my career.
0: I remember that that was powerful. I remember it was, it was packed. We were we were starved for this information and knowledge because, as you alluded to, as is, and I'm sure as you all are hearing now, this isn't in school. Um, this is, and I I wonder, Tony, where even um in 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 the academy today in terms of the college level the graduate school level where um this this type of information is available and taught i know we're uh we're developing and grooming other young scholars as well i know that's coming yes but but there's still there's still a gap isn't it Absolutely. I refer to this information
1: that we've been talking about over these uh, past episodes as forbidden knowledge. And that reality was ingrained in my consciousness as a result of my first trip to Egypt. And as I began to read more and study more, I began to realize that I have been a victim of forbidden knowledge all of my life. So let me share this brief story with you. In the 1990s, there was a white professor, who graduated from Georgetown, who was hired by Howard University to teach Egyptian history. And on the first day of class, she stands before her students and lays out the syllabus. You're gonna be required to write so many papers throughout the course of the semester. And anyone who submits a paper with references by John Henry Clark, John Jackson, Ivan Van Sertema, Asa Hilliard, uh, Dr. Ben or Tony Browder will get an automatic F. This is at Howard University, brother. Wow! Right. So these are the wow. battles that we have been fighting for decades, and I dare say, centuries.
0: More MIP after this message. And and Howard's our institution, supposedly, but we also know, folks, what Howard did to Dr. Francis Chris Wellesley uh so even in some of our hbcus it's it's some folks don't know some folks don't know
1: share the story a minute
0: well yeah let let me not take that for granted so dr welsing developed the um um the crest theory which her position was um that racism uh and white white supremacy is rooted in a fear of genetic annihilation um European recessive genes uh, when coupled with um, genes of those of us who are African African American or people with melanin are recessive that's why you had the one drop Um, and usually when there's mixing uh, the offspring comes out as people of color as, as human beings of color and she said that the fear of genetic annihilation was at the root of racism and white supremacy because everyone knew that to be true. Mm-hmm. And years later, Pat Buchanan proved her right. Cause all of his rhetoric is about the annihilation of the white race. Mm. Um, but when Francis Chris Wilson published her paper, uh, then uh, she was fired from Howard university. I think that was 1972.
1: Yeah. She, she wrote, um, she wrote, um, that document in 1971. And when she came up for tenure in Howard's medical school, she was denied tenure and let go. And from what I understand, one of the reasons why she was let go was because the chair of the College of Medicine at Howard University said that she was an embarrassment to his white colleagues. That's why they let her go and even prior to that it, it, let's go back to let's go back to 1922 1923 1922 100 years ago uh, Howard Carter finds the tomb of loss of, of of King Tut the boy king they it took them a year to catalog everything in the tomb and then in 1923 he opened the tomb to the public what we're going to do in 2025, he opened the tomb to the public and extended an invitation to college and universities around the world to send their best and their brightest to come and witness the discoveries that were found in the tomb of this boy King. So Howard University debated who they were going to send. The person best qualified to represent Howard University was uh, William Leo Hansberry. But Hansberry only had a master's. He didn't have a Ph.D., and the reason why Hansberry didn't have a PhD was because he he studied at Harvard, and his professor was George Reisner, and Reisner refused to give Hansberry his PhD. So who did Howard send instead? They sent Elaine Locke, who was who 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 who, who was an artist, who was a, um, um, a literary uh, expert. You know, he, uh, Elaine Locke was in so many words, the Henry Louis Gates of his day. And and so they squashed the best and the brightest and sent a brilliant man who was not qualified to to represent African people in Egypt at the opening of the tomb of King Tut. So we've been dealing with these issues, brother, for a long time. It's a battle that probably would not be one in our lifetime, but we gain steps every single day as long as we remember these ancestors and talk about this history and
0: stand up for those things that we know are right. Well, since you brought it up and you've been doing excavations, um King Tut, I remember when the exhibit toured the country yes. when I was a little boy. Again, nobody said King Tut was black. Nobody even, nobody even hinted at that. I mean, that's something else that just, we just, again, we saw Egypt, but we still did not see it as reflecting us.
1: Well, you know, um, again, context, King Tut was the son of Amenhotep IV, who was known as Akhenaten and um, Nefertiti. So if you saw an image of Amenhotep IV, Akhenaten, he would be, Today, the spitting image of Lionel Richie. I mean, the brother looks like Lionel Richie. Has the same facial features, same size lips, same size nose. Looks like Lionel Richie. You know,
0: and and so have you told uh, you know Lionel that? Have you talked to him? Does he know that? No, I haven't.
1: I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: need to tell him that. Okay, but then, you know, so every
1: time I go to the Cairo Museum, uh, into the um, Amana room where there are. Uh, two larger than life-size statues of of um, of uh, Agnaten. I always introduce him as Lionel Richie, and folks see it and they get it.
0: <laughs> so it, it it so being, but now what about his complexion though? So he was. So so look,
1: we don't know the complexion. Okay. um But if we go back to the Cairo Symposium, 1974 Cairo Symposium, which we talked about in the earlier episode, it was Sheikh Antajop who brought his scientific expertise to the table. And Sheikh Antajop developed what is now known as the melanin dosage test, where he was able to get a piece of the skin from one of the royal mummies and he immersed that skin in in a chemical solution. I forget the name of the solution and then he exposed it to UV light. And what that chemical substance did was it illuminated the melanocytes, the cells of melanin in that skin. And so, as you mentioned earlier, melanated people have more melanocytes in their skin and that's what gives our dark skin color. So Sheikhandjah was able to count the melanocytes and, and looked at a scale of African people and the number of melanocytes they have and European people And that skin of that mummy indicated that this person was African. So then he asked for opportunities to get skin samples from some of the 22 royal mummies that were in the Cairo Museum. And they denied him that opportunity because they
0: knew what he would find. They knew what the results would be. Yeah. Yeah. More MIP after this message. You mentioned uh, Akhenaten um again um if, if we're if we're talking about um ancient Kemet's contribution to the world and the history uh akhenaten if i'm not mistaken was the person who gave us gave humankind monotheism correct All right so there, there's there's a hint of truth in that
1: okay and that um Sigmund Freud, in a book that he wrote, but said that the book was not to be published until after his death because he didn't want to take the heat. The book was called Moses and Monotheism, in which Freud examined the history of Akhenaten and his religious reformation and identified Moses as being a priest who was studying under Akhenaten. So, so I, I wanna spend a, a minute or two just to explain the concept. So it's a misnomer to say that Akhenaten introduced monotheism because it implies that the ancient Chemites worshiped a multiplicity of gods. That is not true. That is a misinterpretation of the history. The ancient Chemites always acknowledged from the very beginning They always acknowledged one source of creation, one creative source. But they also knew that the mind of man was too feeble to understand the complexity of this creator. So what they did was to divide this creative force, this creative principle into multiple parts that could be more easily digested and more easily understood. So that's where the word nature comes in. The word nature means a principle or aspect of divinity. So there was a network associated with the sun. Uh, and, and the logo that you have in your logo here, the sea in your logo here is the the rays of light that come from the atun, right? The atun. So neture represents an aspect of the creator. So there's a neture associated with air, a neture associated with water, a neture associated with uh, with the earth, a neture associated with different animals. All of these represent e-pluribus unum. One out of many right so so context is everything and part of 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 my mission to study this history and to explain this history is that is so that we can eradicate the myths and bring truth to the table so that we have a a new frame of reference with which to discuss
0: our history and culture yes sir tony Browder, folks we'll pick this up next time we gather a bit more about Akhenaten and since he brought up Moses too we, we've got some other stuff to ask about that so folks uh, we invite you once again to visit um, the website where there's a lot more information ikg-info.com also Asa Restoration Project.com. until next time thank you Tony my pleasure brother peace